0: And do I have a stand for this? Oh, you can be the mic holder, Carl. And I need all our uh, greeter, readers, proclaimers to line up here. You have little rectangular pieces of paper. So, 1,989 years ago, on April 3rd, Jesus rose again. 1989. I mean, it would be 1989 if we started our calendar at the Resurrection of Jesus. So 1,989 years ago. And for the first 100 years, most of the time, it was illegal to say Christ is risen. For the first 100 years, you faced death in countless places if you said Christ is risen. And guess what they could not stop people saying? Come on, one time. Christ is risen. Say he is risen indeed. Okay, so it was
1: first said with a, a woman who these women approached saying Christ is risen, but they had followed Christ and they were in danger of being killed.
0: And these women burst in and said, He has risen! So, the very first resurrection gospel sermon preached by women to a bunch of men that eventually God brought the Holy Spirit that had a crowbar that brought their head out of the darkness into speaking the light. And now, 1989 years ago, every part of the earth, including polar bases, we are celebrating Christ is risen. So, let's see what we got here. All right, in German. Uh, Christus ist auf er ist verhauft auf Verstanden. This is in Igbo, which is a Nigerian language. Jesu Christi Ebiliwo, Ezia Obiliwo. Now lead, lead them through pronouncing the second part.
1: So you can do it two times <laughs> each. Okay, this is in Kikuyu, which is a language from Kenya. Um, it is Christo Nimuriuko, Nimuriuko Nema.
0: Nimorio, wait. Nimorioko Nima.
1: Come on, guys. Okay, this is in uh, Manobo, which is an ethnic minority in the southern Philippines. na This is in Cebuano, uh, trade language of southern Philippines. Buhiman Buhilagi. Buhilagi.
0: This is Catalan. It's the region of Spain where Barcelona is, uh, Catalonia. So, Christ a resuscitat. Realment a resuscitat. Realment a resuscitat.
1: All right, so this is in English.
0: So if you have difficulty pronouncing the words, I will completely understand. All right, so here we go. Christ is risen, He is risen indeed. Not bad.
1: Okay, this is in Kamai and Jeff gave me a piece of paper that I couldn't really understand, but I knew enough to come up with something. So, uh, <laughs> so if I say Langway, uh, then you say Langway okay? Main Put. Okay, so Prekurs Langway.
0: Um, This is in Spanish, and I'm supposed to say that I'm standing in the place of Luis and Rachel. Um, Cristo, resucito. And then you say, en verdad, resucito. En verdad, resucito. This is in Irish, which I will fail miserably. Ta Cristo... uh, I'm doing my Spanish accent there. Ta Cristo er and then the response is go demon ta se that sounded good good job good job okay this is swahili
1: so Cristo ame fufuka ame fufuka kweli kweli ame fufuka kweli kweli
0: So, this one is in Korean, Um, and so I'll be saying, (laughs) Goodie Sudo, Boha Hasione, and then you'll say, Tamuro, Boha Hasione. Goodie Sudo, Boha
1: Hasione. Of course, this is in French.
0: Le Christ est ressuscité, and you will say, En vérité, il est ressuscité. Oh, there we
1: go. It's
0: good Good nasals. Good nasals. My students are proud. Thank you. Okay, this is in Greek. Yes. Yeah. And when I went to church, I'm going to say this really quick. On Easter, we would go and stay over midnight. And so we would be passed out red eggs. And you and would, say would say to someone, Christos Anesti, and, and the person, person would respond, Aletheos Anesti.
1: Aletheos Anesti.
0: Okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is Hebrew. Hamesia kam bay kam.
1: Be'emek kam.
0: The Thai I learned 20 years ago is not good enough to do the call and response, but it's good enough to say Prakrit, ben kun jak kwam Thai."
1: So this is in Tamil, which is my native language. It's a South Indian language, and it goes "Krishnuir uh, thirundar mayagave avir Great job, everyone.
0: All right. And uh, now, for uh, we're going to give you another chance to do this in whatever language you're comfortable with. We're going to take a time, it's called Pass the Peace, aka Meet and Greet. So we're going to invite you to stand for about five minutes. This place has a zoning variance for awkwardness. Meet some people you didn't know. And by the way, if you do not have lunch plans, you do now, because we're having Easter lunch here. My precious wife and daughter are out of town, so I decided to have my other extended family and my son, and we're gonna eat in the back. So if you don't got plans, you do now. Let's stand up, mix up,
1: And I'll interrupt all your conversations in a few minutes. And now here comes the point where I've always been known for interrupting
0: people in the middle of conversations and now I get to do it with everyone at once. So I've leveled up. So let's sit down and I would like my readers to come up here and line up with reader number one and we're going to read one of my favorite Easter stories. Which, if you've been here for the past 18 years, I say about whatever passage we read for Easter, because in Christ we can have many favorites. Uh, So, we get our readers here, and the first reader, I believe, would be David. And we've got a mic. We're going to sit in the dead center here and project and uh it's a long passage so we got five people to bear the load and it's a good story and we get to find ourselves in it so oh no you have to stand up you definitely have to stand up hey you're in better shape than i am come on i'm working on it only by the grace of god
1: good morning everybody uh, our reading today is going to be from Luke 24. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And I'm sure they had a lot to talk about. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Kelly?
0: I will enunciate and speak slowly. (laughs)
1: Luke 24, 17 through 19. As he asked them, what are you discussing together
0: as you walk along? They stood still, their faces
1: downward. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know things that are happening here these days? What things, he asked.
0: About Jesus of Nazareth. Spoilers. (laughs) They replied, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So Jesus replies. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Our hearts were burning. Hope, many of us, we're here to celebrate hope. Some of us are actually feeling A celebration of hope, but God knows we need an infusion of hope. We leak hope. Every one of us has cracks. Every one of us has elements of our life that have been shattered and that haven't healed perfectly, correctly, and in that case, no matter how much hope we get, that hope goes down over time. We've all got a slow leak. Some of us are experiencing a fast leak, but the great hope of Christ is that his spirit is constantly present with us to pour new hope into us. Hope deflators. You know, I know when I really screw things up, my hope meter goes down. And then something happens or someone says something or God pursues me a certain way, where I realize God isn't nearly as through with me as I think he would be through with me. We leak hope, but hope keeps pouring forward and i think there's a special significance that jesus came to the people of israel during their darkest time because it's one thing when you've been conquered it's one thing when there is an occupying army holding you prisoner because then there's the rebels there's the rebellion there's hope when there's an empire there's always a rebellion somewhere but what happens when it's empire after empire after empire is it with, was with the Jewish people in Jerusalem, empire after empire after empire? You know, first of all, uh, Jerusalem, Israel, splits in two, into two different nations. Uh, periodically, their kings are really bad or worse. You know, they talk about the good and the bad kings of Israel, but basically when you have a figurehead that gets worshiped, it's all bad. Just some are worse than others. And then you have the Babylonians come in, or first the northern kingdom gets taken over by the Assyrians. They get demolished. They're, they take all the wives and daughters and intermarry, forbid them to speak their language, and annihilate their culture through assimilation, which a lot of people are fans of, you know, forcing cultural assimilation which is something that God will undo. I'll get to the end of that. And then uh, the Babylon takes the remaining distinct tribes of Israel, the ones that still have some knowledge of their ethnic heritage and can point to a family tree of sorts. And they take them captive in 587 B.C., And then uh, eventually they're allowed to come back uh, to Israel. We hear of this king named Cyrus who invented this concept of multi-generational reparations. And what that is, is it's when someone who had nothing to do... With uh, the, the slavery and oppression another group was in, but inherited the wealth accrued by having those people slaves, decides to reestablish and work in the opposite direction. And Cyrus emptied the bank accounts of his nation to repatriate Israel back to Jerusalem, and he even rebuilt their temple, rebuilt their walls, funded it. You know, he had Ezra and Nehemiah kind of did the contracting work. And so, you know, years later, this guy that was didn't even exist begins to fix it. But guess what? Israel keeps getting re-oppressed. It's just it's the same. You know, whenever they get a little bit of independence, someone comes in. You have the Assyrians, you have the Persians, you have the, Persians, you have, uh, the, the uh, Greco-Roman oppression leading to the Roman Empire. But this time Israel is not stuck in Babylon, Israel is home and they're under house arrest. And you could not go to worship God without passing by pagan soldiers who had the power of life and death through a spear and a sword in their hands. And if you failed to pay their taxes, you were subject to violence or losing your daughter to evil soldiers. And they were taxed, if you've seen The Chosen, that does a great job representing this point of history, The Chosen. And they were, they were taxed almost into complete suffering. There was a, a national feeling of disempowerment and emasculation. And Israel had shattered. It had fallen apart. And now they had a king, but the king was just a puppet of the empire a puppet of the empire, Herod. Herod who, who brought, brought, who had a brothel in the place of their palace. Herod who wasn't even Jewish. And, and during this time, Israel's fractured. You have the one people that say they're freedom fighters and they're routinely getting hundreds and thousands of themselves crucified at a time for thinking if we spark a rebellion, then God will be forced to come to our aid. It didn't work out. You had the Essenes that said, this world is too far gone, and we're going to start this little commune and have nothing to do with it, separate ourselves from the stench of this present evil age. And then if one day everyone meditates on Torah at the same time, Yahweh will return. And then you had uh, had the, the followers of Shammai, Rabbi Shammai, that basically said, kill the infidel. And you had the followers of Hillel that said, live and let live, let's break this work. You had liberals, conservatives, you had people that tried to find out how to work with it, people that separated from Meanwhile, everyone was suffering. And the only people who were prospering were the people who sold their souls in pursuit of influence and power and significance. The people that pursued being influencers, the people who sacrificed their integrity for financial security, In the people who found solace in seeing themselves as religiously better than everyone else. We're talking about the arch nemeses of Jesus and his kingdom. And they are all represented here. And is it not true that followers of God to this day, people who identify as followers of God, pick those same options in the face of of hopelessness. They want power. He will give us power. He will give us influencer. He cares for our rights. She cares for our rights. And meanwhile, we have the gospels. And the gospels are like this purifying water. I don't know if you've ever been on Reddit. There's a great forum called pressure washers. And people that get pressure water, it's like, look at this deck. It was totally scummy and now it's clean. Look at this. Uh, sidewalk, look at this house, I love it. And the gospels are the pressure washer that take the defecation of the worldly kingdoms of power and influence and prestige and religious, I'm better than you, and totally annihilate And let me tell you, I've had to been delivered from at least three of the four options we've talked about. I'm not the critic, critic from outside. I found a way to screw up following Jesus in so many different ways. But Jesus has never screwed up pursuing me and following after me when I'm running after him, even though I think I'm running away from him, even though I think I'm running after him. Because God is that cool. We can be overtly rebelling, or you can do what I do and do the Pharisee thing. Think I'm better. And guess what? God runs after us. Jesus runs after us. In a patriarchal society, women have to preach the first sermon. Uh, When Jesus is healing people, He. Commends the faith of people outside the children of Israel, of Roman military officials. Jesus always breaks the rules, and he loves the people you're not allowed to love. And now, two thousand years later, universities around the world are in trouble, and they're struggling to fund their small departments that are researching ancient Near Eastern religions. With their major budget cuts, because what has happened to many of my friends who have gotten uh, gra- done graduate work in ancient Near Eastern religions is one out of 10 can get a job in that field. True. I know a lot of people that study under Sam Meyer here, and it's a brilliant deal, but it 's really hard to fund even the study of ancient Near Eastern religions, but one, that no one can shut up about 2,000 years later but one that people, so many people know about that so many people also misconstrue. There has to be a lot of people following a belief in order there to be a big chunk of people saying they're, being posers and saying they're following their belief. And frankly, I, the, what the Bible says, what the Bible says is that when there's wealth, privilege, and security in things outside of God, you're like a camel trying to
1: squeeze through a needle's edge. And it's not. We had that. This is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God is all about using the pin particles to miniaturize. God puts camels through eyes and needle and I am a camel. My name is Jeff Cannell To find Jesus because Jesus isn't your self-help book to power and privilege
0: Jesus is your Merry maids that teaches you how to wash your your friend's feet and love your enemy You know Jesus is all about making you very annoying and not the annoyance of American Christendom.
1: I would loving enemies.
0: Enemy love. It says, you know, when you love your enemies, it's like putting coal on their heads. And that isn't, you know, the coal. Where where we read into that? Oh, good, we get to burn them with our kindness. No, in the Bible, the coal is what was touched to Isaiah's lips to clean him. When Isaiah's, the coal touched his lips, he wasn't scorched and blistered. He was purified, which means... The, the, the coal on their head is the purifying fire that wipes away ego and hatred and grasping after and insecurity and self-hatred and loathing and self-harm. That's the coal of loving our enemies that is put on their head. It's purifying. The Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every tribe, tongue, and nation will confess that Jesus is Lord. How many languages don't exist today because of disease, famine, colonialism, called forced cultural assimilation? How many languages do not even exist today? Uh, anyone know about, uh, let's say, friends that have, about how many languages do we know of in the world, Dana? Roughly, over a thousand? 5,000? 6,000 languages that we know of, and that's after We've been globalized and countless languages have been annihilated. The scriptures say every language, not the current languages that happen to survive. Because God wants to preserve and restore the beautiful diversity of this planet. Do you imagine the cuisines that don't even exist on the planet anymore? We are going to have some eating to do in eternity. Now we're getting to talk about the hope. Is in Christ, Christ took what was common for every culture. Every culture has figured out a way to hate and oppress people. You know, the only reason I tend to talk about where I live is because I'm a taxpayer and a shareholder in a specific form of oppression. But if I were in any other nation, I would be able to speak of that too. Because I believe if you follow Jesus, the critique from within is sometimes okay, but it's not good to point fingers if you're not dealing with your own stuff. I am so excited that Jesus took on the tool of every evil empire, two tools, torture and murder. You know, we're seeing a lot of that going on in the Ukraine right now. It's going on everywhere. In fact, there's been torture and murder have been tools that are being used stateside and around the world is long going back to Cain and Abel. And Jesus took on that timeless transcultural evil and he was crucified on a cross. And it wasn't unique. You know, we think on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. No, no. no, it was on a hill where there's currently a bus station right outside the Damascus Gate where most of the people congregated in Jerusalem. That's my version of the hymn. You know, it where everyone passed, they put on, you know, where you would have the most expensive billboard space anyone that messed with rome got crucified naked put there not killed they were left there to asphyxiate over days but because jesus was whipped and tortured for so long he didn't make it through a day he didn't make it through a day but normally people lasted for a while and you could not go and get your breakfast and you could not go to temple to say your prayers or the synagogue without seeing roman rules Jesus took that on. And those tools are utilized today. And I always imagine Jesus coming back three days later. Is that all you got? Evil exhausted itself on the cross. Evil exhausted itself. In Jesus, the man of sorrow, familiar with suffering, who everyone wanted at their wedding because he got the rest of the people dancing, even if the DJ wasn't good. Jesus the life of the party also could mourn like no one else could mourn and Jesus tried to soften the blow for his disciples and Jesus said You know the son of man is going to be handed over to the people in charge. I want to be killed And they're like no, we're not gonna let that happen. Someone comes to take Jesus prisoner They're like out of here. They run one disciple Peter agrees like takes upon himself to surveil Jesus but the problem was they're in this metropolitan city and Peter's a hillbilly and they recognize his accent and say, oh, dude, you're with him, too. And he's like, oh, I'm next. And he started cussing him out, and saying, no, I'm not. So gee, even the most courageous of all the disciples, Peter, crumbled under the weight. And I love, you know, what's great about the scriptures? Propaganda always props up the leader, all that follow the leader. The story in the scriptures always recounts the greatest failures of God's people. It's like, wow, this suddenly becomes autobiographical when you read it. You notice that sometimes? Some, you know, uh, except the parts where Samson having mighty strength and everything. I've never quite managed to bench that much. But friends, hope. Jesus is on a walk with these guys. Somehow Jesus is in stealth mode. Maybe he's wearing, you know, uh, you know, ancient Near men with big beards and, and, you know, wearing cloaks and stuff. And if you're like me, you're a guy, you probably all guys kind of look the same, you know, you know, like I can't really tell hipsters apart if they're doing the lumberjack thing because they all wear the same flannels and the beards and uh, the well-oiled mustaches. They didn't recognize Jesus, some kind of deal. And there's one Word. Well, there's two phrases that stick out to me. We had hoped past tense. We had hoped. The whole of the Tanakh, the Torah, the Nevi'im, the Ketuvim, the whole of the Hebrew scriptures tell the tragedy of Israel. And they thought the only hope was through poetry of the prophets and the Psalms that one would come. A man of sorrows familiar with suffering, the Messiah, who would one day destroy our enemies. And Jesus comes, and you know how you destroy enemies? You make them friends. You know, the annihilation of the wicked is the purifying fire of enemy love that is foisted on our enemies' heads when we demonstrate the love of Christ, because Jesus is always inviting every one of us, no matter what your resume of screwed upness is. We don't even have to compare our resumes. Jesus is always inviting you. And he's even inviting Christians to repent of being Christians, but not following Christ. Jesus, you know, uh, whoever you are, we are on a level playing field. You and I and everyone else, we're being invited by the Prince of Peace. Jesus took everything that evil had to offer. He came back. Now that's impossible. Listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not anti-science here. But, you know, it's hard to take a one-time event and expose it to the scientific method because it's not repeated over and over. And according to the scriptures, the whole resurrection thing's gonna repeat it one more time for everyone at the end. So we can't do no scientific method on this, but we can do a little sociological inquiry regarding this. In the fact that for a hundred years, people were willing to be tortured to death just to assert, I saw him get killed, and I saw him fully restored. We're not talking Weekend at Bernie's. Jesus be limping around. Just a mash of a mess that they accidentally didn't kill. Not dead yet. No. We're talking about a robust living Jesus that was so solid. That reality was like a cloud that solid Jesus walked through. Where are all the vapid phantom ghosts? And Jesus moves through walls. Because his substance exists in all quantum realities. At the same time in the most... Solid way, and that solid way is love. And the idea is the reason those people could risk death because they knew death sucks, but it ain't gonna stop us because we come back, because that singular thing that happened to Jesus is offered to us all. And we confess Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. Basically, we confess that our Lord is a winner. That our Lord wins. This isn't just a doctrinal checklist. You know, doctrine is about instructing people for action. It's not just this head belief. And when you have a doctrine that God loves you, you act love. Three steps forward, two steps back. But the net growth is there. The Holy Spirit is here today to re-invite every one of us to... Receive the Savior who loves us who will heat the coal that burns away What we think is wrong with us and bad things we think are right with us So that indigenous fauna and flora can grow back and the invasive weeds of our lives are taken away And we know this robust beautiful life in a robust and restored world where every single Lost language is spoken once again there's never going to be an end to diversity the, the heaven on earth thy kingdom come thy will be done is going to be a party in an expanding universe in growing languages in restored diversity in great food in incorruptible bodies and no more betrayal and god we need that let's stand i want to pray a prayer of re-upmanship if you will and I like to sometimes do sign language prayers. It's like, hold your hands out and say, Help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. It's one of my favorite saintly prayers. But you don't have to do it. But I'm just hold out and you can bow your head, close your eyes if it helps. Say, Jesus, I'm done. I want to live resurrection life. I ask for your forgiveness that is unimaginable for every one of my shortcomings, failures, and my best attempts to fix things that have blown up in other people's faces, that you would bring your forgiveness in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Forgive me, hug me, love me. I can believe you love me. Help me to experience that you like me as well. Take over my life. Jesus, help me be a part of your agenda. That will love every tribe tongue and nation in our divided country that can't even love itself Fill me make me a lover and help me to be filled with your patience for one another and help us to be a family I give my life to you. It's yours. I'm done. My way does not work And my friends especially Christians I'll say Jesus forgive me as someone who is Claimed your name and worked against your agenda And I thank you you don't hold any of that against me In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen, happy Easter So, uh, yeah, we're going to do communion, alright Now this is, we did the last supper at Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, right? Well this is post-resurrection communion Where instead of the doom and gloom of Jesus said he was going to betray us. Are are you going to betray him? Am I going to betray him? Can you imagine? There's never been a more awkward meal. And listen, I've had some very awkward first dates. There has never been a more awkward meal than than the Passover Jesus hosted. But we get to do the after party remix where the body was broken and the bud is spilled. And now, instead of this is the blood spilled for death, this is the blood transfusion of life we receive into our life, empowering us to love everyone. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is risen. Lord, we ask your presence on these elements and that you would juice up our parties. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's worship God. And I'll see you for lunch if you don't have anything else going.